0: Sunglasses, so I can see what I'm doing. (laughs) Happy Thursday, beautiful people! It's Thursday in the L. I think it's going to be another gorgeous day. Happy Thursday. Welcome to uh, Love Babs, Love Talk. I'm Babs Earls Ivy. I'm delighted to uh, be in my big chair this morning. Uh, it's a little chilly this morning, so I put on a a throw because it's cool, a little chilly, a little brisk. I'm not complaining. It's about 69 degrees. I'm not complaining because I think we're going to get a heat wave next week.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Heat wave.
0: Last night was magical. If you weren't on uh, Edgewood and Hotchkiss last night, I don't know where you were. I literally do not know where you were because we had the Fred Hampton 75th uh, birthday celebration. And baby. It was, it was everything. Thank you to all the folks that showed up. Thank you to the folks who brought food and drink. Thank you for the mimosas. I don't drink mimosas. I just drink straight champagne or a Prosecco sparkling wine. And I don't like to add stuff to it. Uh, that's just not my ride. Uh, but thank you to all the folks. Thank you to Open Mic. Thank you, Juanita. Thank you, Lauren. Happy birthday, Lauren. (laughs) She better not be listening. (laughs) And she better not be on social media. Her ass better be resting. She better be taking a shower, putting on fresh pajamas, and parking herself on the couch uh, with a good cup of coffee or hot tea, and then thinking about lunch. (laughs) Or brunch. A good brunch. (laughs) Good morning, everybody. Happy birthday, Lauren. I love her to the moon and back. Uh, She's one of the kindest people I know. Uh, it is a pleasure to know her. I'm honored to know her. My life is better because of her. So I just want the world to know that. I posted up a happy birthday message with some pictures of her uh, here and in Mary Cash with me. So uh, happy birthday, Lauren. And uh, get you some rest, girl, because yesterday was a was a ride and a vibe. And it was it was wonderful. It was just a wonderful day of community and celebration. And I had a good time. I had a really good time. And it was a long day, but it was one of those days where you're just like, yeah, this this is what a long day is made for. So I had a good time. Uh, and it was great to see people. And people came out. They came out and they stayed and they hung out and they enjoyed. Uh, people got on the microphone. I got on the microphone. You know, I said some Fred Hammond, uh, Hampton words and, uh, you know, it was good. It was really, it was really good. I, I was quite pleased. Uh, Brian Slater he did the pieces up on the New Haven Independent. So, uh, if you if you are so inclined, uh, go and check it out. Seriously, some some good stuff. So, uh, you know, just go and get your uh, get your read on, and and uh, feel like you were there. Fred Hampton would have been seventy five years old yesterday. That's a lot, and uh, he's been close in age to my mother, you know, five or six years younger than my mother, and uh, which is uh, a a weird sort of thing uh, to think about him and my mother in the same generation, you know. I I I kind of dig it on a lot of levels, you know. I really do like that on a lot of levels. So, but uh, yeah, hey, it's all good. It's all good. So and so now next up is uh fast next week. we get ready for that vibe. And uh I'm excited about that. Had a wonderful rich conversation with uh Jania Ife and uh uh Beverly Jenkins, uh, who I am looking forward to seeing in person. And uh, you know, all good, all good, all good. And uh I think it'll be a. Uh, I think it will be wonderful. So, uh, and, you know, they're partnering with the uh, Yale Afro, Afro African American Studies Department because uh, they're doing a, a popular romance conference and they've got some heavy hitters. You know, they've got Roxanne Gay keynoting at the end. So, uh, so that will be wonderful. It's, it's going to be good. And I think the weather will be good too. So, so it's so all these wonderful things to like get toward the end of the year. Like, you know, we just ride toward the end of the year. It's all good. So I, I just love my community. I, I, I wouldn't miss this for nothing. I love all the activity. You know, I, I don't, I, I, I work so that I could have the life that I want. I don't, I don't have the life that I want through work. Cause I, I don't think you can do that. <laughs> I have the life that I want uh, because I, I work at it. You know, I work at the life that I want and uh, and I'm excited. It's nice. It's lovely. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's all good. So anyway, you can kill the revolutionary, but you can never kill the revolution, Fred Hampton. Do you know what I mean? You have to understand that people have to pay a price for peace. If you dare to struggle, you dare to win. Let me just say, peace to you, if you're willing to fight for it. We're going to fight racism, not with racism, but we're going to fight with solidarity. We say we're not going to fight capitalism with black capitalism, but we're going to fight it with socialism. Go ahead. Go ahead. If you ever think about me and you ain't going to do no revolutionary act, forget about me. I don't want myself on your mind if you're not going to work for the people. All power to the people. All power to all the people. So I'm I'm here for you, Fred Hampton. And, and you know what? I think the most revolutionary thing that we can do is love each other without uh, without cause, without labels, uh, without barriers. Uh, just love one another. That's the real revolution. And if we could get there, then uh, we might have a world. But right now, we, we're far away from it. We're very far away from it. But it doesn't mean that we don't keep pushing. We keep pushing. Because we believe in the idea of love as a revolution, and revolution, and revolutionaries, and artists, we believe in that. We honor that. We work toward that. So I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm in the mood. So, so uh, at a uh, 10:15, I've got uh, some folks coming on from the Schwartzman Center. Uh, they're going to come on and talk about the new season, the 20, 23, 24 season. So it's going to be Executive Director Rachel Fine and Associate Artistic Director uh, Jennifer Harrison Newman. So they're going to come on this morning. Uh, they had a they had like a little open house yesterday where they talked that they launched their their season and they talked about it. So they're coming on today, you know, to talk about it some more and just like let let us know, you know, what can we expect. Uh, I know they got Corrine. Bailey Ray coming. I'm excited about that. Girl, put your records on. Yeah, we're ready. We're ready. <laughs> <laughs> is this love? Is this love? Is this love that I'm feeling? Yeah, she did cover the Bob Marley song. And she did a nice job in a Corrine Bailey Ray kind of way. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm all about it. I'm here for it. I hope you're here for it, too. So, Schwarzman is trying to make some moves. So, uh, there's uh, the Arts and Ideas stuff is still going on. The Rhythm Exchange is going on. I believe there's a Afrofuturism fashion show on the green today at uh, noon. So, if you're around downtown, uh, go check it out. I won't make that. Uh, but if you're around, go check it out. Uh, I won't be there, but it's all right. <laughs> It's all right. I can't make everything, babies. I can't make everything. I can't make everything. Uh, but if you can, you should. Uh, but if you wasn't at, uh, if you wasn't at the Fred Hampton celebration last night. I don't know where you were. I-, I can't begin to tell you where you were. I don't know what you was doing, but you wasn't. You wasn't with the people. <laughs> it was such a good time. It was such a good time. I enjoyed myself immensely. I really did. And I'm I'm so glad that I, I got to be downtown. I mean, I got to be like in the neighborhood. It was just wonderful. So anyway, I'm just going to leave it at that and let y'all get up and do your thing, you know, like a sex machine. <laughs> it was a good time. I had a good time. I had a really, really good time. So anyway, uh, that's where we are. So what else is going on in the news today? I don't even know. I I know. I, I told you I've been on this budgeted news diet, you know, not taking in so much news. Enough news to keep me aware and updated. Not enough news to keep, take a deep dive. I just can't do it. Uh, everything just hurts. You know, I'm prickly about the news. And, and it might be passing. It might just be a passing fancy. I don't know. But God knows, uh, uh, it it was hard. It's hard listening uh, to all the foolishness. And, uh, you know, it's just hard. Uh, And, you know, and and just thinking about Fred Hampton's life on top of where we are right now. I mean, I, I feel like I know the needle has moved, but the needle hasn't moved. Do you know what I mean like it just it just hasn't moved but has moved and uh it's just it's just a hard it's just a hard reality we are in right now and i keep thinking that uh you know that we will uh we will get better and better and better and that's the optimism in me i'm very optimistic i'm a romantic too at my core Uh, But there's a part of me that's just like, gosh, you know, you know,
2: uh,
0: that's all I'm saying. So, uh, so yesterday I I got to read some of the, some of Fred Hampton's speech on, uh, you know, the free breakfast program and, and, and why it was necessary and why it's important. And it's still, you know. It's still necessary and it's still important. I I think the thing that bothers me is that we know it's necessary, we know it's important, and then we half-ass do it. Like we half-ass serve kids food that we know damn well is not good. We serve them food that is not nutritiously sound. You know, Michelle Obama trying to tell us, listen, I, I know we've we we we've grown up on a steady diet of sugar and more sugar and salt and more salt. So when we put fresh vegetables and fresh fruit in front of kids, many of the kids don't know what to do with that. They don't have a taste or a palate for it because their palate has been trained to want crap. And that's a lot of us. That's a lot of us still. A lot of us still want sugary things, uh, soda, soda you know, uh, uh, candy, junky junk. I mean, we just, so many of us still want that. It's our pet. We are trained to eat that stuff. You know, we're not trained on fresh fruits and vegetables. We're just not. We're trained on high carb, high calorie, high sugar, high salt uh, processed food because processed food has a longer shelf life. And when you live in food apartheid. Because deserts are man-made. I mean deserts are na- nature made. Des- deserts are 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 of nature. Apartheid is not of nature. So these food apartheid are not natural. They are manufactured. They are created by human beings. There are people that literally say this community doesn't deserve fresh fruits and vegetables, so therefore we're not going to invest grocery stores that will give them access to fresh food. We're going to put fresh fruits and vegetables in neighborhoods that we believe can afford the prices that we want to charge things. That's just the reality of it. You know, that is just the reality of it. And I'm not listen, it's not a good reality. So so, so Fred Hansen and, and the Black Panther Party said, listen, we understand, we, you don't need to have a degree or a rock, be a rocket scientist to understand that when kids start their day on an empty stomach, they're not going to have a productive day in school. Who doesn't know that? We know this. We don't have to study this. <laughs> Particularly if they didn't have a decent deal the night before. But yet, we serve children subpar food for breakfast and call that okay. And all these schools in this town have kitchens that they could fully, but they don't want to spend, the, they don't want to make the investments in that. They don't want to make the investments. And I, I don't understand why we don't make the investments in real food. We got enough damn community gardens and and common ground and all those places. I mean, Yale has a farm. I mean, all these places that have fresh fruits and vegetables. Not to have schools cooking good food every single damn day for kids. And and if the if the idea is we don't want to waste, it's too much waste. Then there are people who are hungry in this city on a regular basis. So this is what you do. Then you package it up and then you give it to the soup kitchens, right? Or you give it to places where where you could have a relationship with them and they could get this food. Or you package it up and let parents take it home and put it in their freezers. So, you know, if they need to pull a meal out, they could do... What is the problem? Why is there no political will toward that? You know, we talk about we care about kids, but we don't. There is no indication that we care about kids. Now, give me an indication that we care about kids. Not when parents and teachers have to come out their pockets for school supplies. That's not caring about kids. When the food that we serve them is processed, highly processed, that's not caring about kids. Are you kidding me? That when they have substandard equipment, that's not caring about kids. We, stop saying we care about kids when we don't care about kids. It's a lie, and we keep telling this lie. I guess it's the, the I guess the thinking is if you say it enough, we'll believe it. You know, we know that kids need recess time. How do we take away recess from kids? How do we do that? Why do we do that? So to, so that they equate uh, studying and school with punishment because their reading scores are low how about we do this how about we get kids access to recess and and real opportunities for outside enjoyment and and see if that doesn't tip the needle in terms of uh where test scores are and why is test scores the measure why is that the measure that's why i'm not in education you see why i'm not in education because i'd be asking all the wrong damn questions i'd be asking all the wrong questions i guess i guess these are the wrong questions i guess these are the wrong questions you know i'm just saying it just bothers me i mean do we 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 know how we could get these we know how we could get this right and 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 we choose not to get it right
3: i, I don't understand that
0: you know, I just don't get it. And 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 we can educate all children. All children can learn. It might take some time, but all children can learn, and we know this. All children can learn. I don't know anybody who can't learn. Amoebas can learn. You know, but we we just I don't know. Ah. just bothers me. It just bothers me to know no end, how we say one thing and do something else. And I think we should just stop saying we care about kids in this country. I think we should stop saying it. Just stop saying it. Because it it's not true. <laughs> it's just categorically not true. We don't care about teachers either. Don't tell me you care about teachers. When a professional a professional sporting team could say, you know what, we need a new arena. We need a new place to play our God-given sport in. And municipalities will move heaven and earth to ensure that uh that they get the they get the money to build some new stadium. And and yet we 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 scoff at Better schools, the physical better schools, the building of schools. We scoff at that, and we frown, and we say, "Oh, we that's not a good use of money." But at the same time, we we'll say, "Well, you know, children are our future. Teach them well, and let them lead the way." I, why are we saying that? Well, it's not true, you know. And then we don't concern ourselves what happens to children after they leave the building. We we're not we're not concerning ourselves with things. You know, we're not concerning ourselves with the neighbors and the communities that these kids are coming from. I don't, I don't understand it. I, I just don't. We come at we come into care of children wrong. You know, it should be a community effort, and we we do everything we can not to make it a community effort. I could be wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. I didn't raise four kids. And, and I can tell you the hoops that I had to jump through. And they all were challenging. They all were challenging in their own right. And I can tell you, uh, talking to uh, at school administrators about various things, about their, about their educational pursuits, was no easy task. It was as if they were deliberately making it difficult for me. And they were quite intimidating for somebody who cannot be intimidated. But I think they tried. And they talk in a language that we don't understand, you know. And they do this all the time. And parents can't ask questions because they don't know what to ask because they're being talked to. And, you know, when you show up to these little EAP meetings, what do they call These little meetings where they give you a a, uh, learning plan for your child. It's like an inquisition. You know, they're all sitting around the table and they have information that you don't have. And so they freaking talk to you as if you went to the same, you have the same college training as they do. You know, it's insulting. And you know, you sit there long. I sat there, my husband and I sat there long enough, and we just let them go on and on and on because they thought we were just niggas from the hood. You know, because that, that's how they see you. You know, big black woman, big black man is niggas from the hood. You know, until we open our mouths and we could, you know, match match their language skills word for word, we could regurgitate the bullshit too. You know what I mean? Like we could say, Say to use the same language, probably uh, uh, above and beyond what they're using, you know, to remind them that y'all ain't the only ones sitting at the table with some wherewithal, you know. So I, we we have a real education problem. We are, and you know, and, and I think what we've been doing is band aiding it for so long, you know, without doing the deep dive in, you know. It requires innovation and courage to reimagine education in this country, you know. It takes a lot of courage and imagination and innovation and using the tools of the moment to broker change. Uh, and change is what people want. That's why charter schools are popular. That's why rich people in these hedge funds go in and, uh, and uh, throw money at schools, you know, because they think they have an idea. And they do. I, I didn't say it was a good idea. I said it's an idea. You know. And so you put your, your kids in these schools with the hope and the prayer that the outcomes would be better than if you just put them in the basic public school system. And the ba- basic public school system has all the, the ills that you are trying to get away from. You know, badass kids, for lack of a better word. Badass kids, you know, who have no regard or respect for for the institution. And we know those kids, but, you know, they're not bad in and of themselves. They're just fighting fights that we are not addressing. They're up against battles that we're not addressing. And no, it it is not solely on the school's part to sort of to take on what happens in community. But more people should be at the table in terms of what we need to do around taking care of our kids educationally. It is a community effort. You know, what happens in the community Trickles into the schools. It just does. You no, know, uh, it just does. So we gotta figure this out.
2: Uh it's
0: tough. It's just tough. It's just hard. But hard is not insurmountable. We so history has shown us hard is not insurmountable. If people. If enslaved people can find their way north by the light of the moon and moss on trees pointing north, that's hard. This isn't hard. It's just challenging. It's not insurmountable. It's all right for things to be hard. It's all right. Hard is not a deterrent. (laughs) Believe it or not, hard is not a deterrent. It's just a barrier. Hard is just a barrier. It's just a barrier. get around it we can get around the barrier, go around it, under it, over it, through it. It's just a barrier. Hard is just a barrier. Hard is a barrier. anything anything that's hard is just a barrier. you know you just how bad do you want to get to the other side? How bad? you know and 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 that drive will determine what you do moving forward. That's in anything, whether it's weight loss, whether it's job hunting, whether it's finding a new partner, whether it's, you know, looking for a house. It's it's hard, it's just a barrier. And some of us, when we hit the barrier, we we quit. Because we don't have any we don't have any create we have no creativity. Uh, that's what that says to me, that we don't have any creativity. But things are hard you know cuz anything can be modified anything could be a uh you know we we could always pivot and go in a different direction to get to get to where we need to go just because it's hard doesn't mean we quit but people do i think we i think america has quit a long time ago you know i don't i i, I think i think we, we don't have faith in our school systems i i'm not trying to be a Debbie downer i just think we are weary. And and we are leaning on prayer. <laughs> we are leaning on prayer. And let me tell you something. There are families who understand the value of an education and 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 will wrap their selves around their children to make sure. Uh, Cause there are people who, who understand that education just doesn't happen in school. That as parents and community, that we have to put some other things in place to broaden. The, the educational experience and I think that's the disconnect here in New Haven some people get it but not enough it's like some people get it and not enough affluent families get it poor families don't get it you know why poor fam- families don't get it because they got other fights they got other battles and so they hope and pray that the schools that they send their kids would at least do better by them that's how I see it. That's how I see it. That's why you, you have kids go to parochial schools, kids go to private schools, kids go to magnet schools, kids that go to charter schools. You know, uh, parents who who are concerned, who who have time to to push back on the education system, they they they, they find other outlets. They find other opportunities for their kids. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean they care more. That means they have time. They have time. Other parents don't have time. They're working, and these are listen. People act like excuses is like some bad thing. Excuses are necessary to explain why the barrier at the moment is insurmountable. So let's not dismiss the excuse as you know unwillingness. The excuse is uh, the precursor to the barrier. We have to understand that. So when we hear an excuse about why a parent can't get to a PTA meeting, then we can't we can't just dismiss it out of pocket. And be like, oh, they just didn't want to come. They make time to do everything else. How do you know? How do you know? So so that means if you have a low turnout for teacher for parents coming to the school. So that means you gotta change the time. See what see what happens if you change the time. You know, don't make parents get off their job at eleven o'clock, one o'clock in the afternoon, to come deal with some t- parent teacher foolishness. And I know it might not be fair to the teachers, but it's it's hella unfair to the parents. So maybe you maybe you. This is what you do. Maybe you put a parent-teacher thing in the evening after after six or seven o'clock at night, serve some dinner, a buffet kind of thing, so everybody could come and get something to eat, and then they could meet with their teachers. You know what I mean? Because it's hectic. I've done it. Trying to get to school uh, in the evenings after I get off working a full damn day and get kids, and I have four, get them to the school. And, you know, sometimes they send a little pieces of paper home and say, okay, you can meet with this teacher at 630. You can meet with this teacher at 645. You can meet with this teacher at 705. You can meet with this teacher at 720. Uh, but if you get off your job at 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and you got to round up kids, they still have to eat. So guess what happens? I'm going to bring it all home for you. So you either got to go to somebody's drive-thru, McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, Papa, whatever, to get some food either on the way there or on the way back because you got to feed kids. Got to feed kids. It's challenging. But I don't don't see any synergy here. There's got to be some synergy. We got to meet each other more than halfway. We gotta pick up the slack in places that supports families. Yeah, there's some trifling parents out there, but we're not talking about them. Of course there's some trifling parents out there. They don't give a damn about nothing but their own mess. But that's that's a small population of people. The majority of parents out there are working good ass jobs or not so good ass jobs for hardly no pay. And so the, so the goal and the goal is I gotta keep a roof over the head. If I keep a roof, everything else I can figure out. I got to keep the lights on. Okay, I got to keep the lights on. I got to keep the heat on if it's winter time. Do you know what I mean? So it's all these things that we have to think about in community before we start addressing the education of children. You know, and schools don't have to go it alone. Bring other partners to the table. And maybe they're doing this. I don't know if they're listening, but maybe they should do this. I don't know this bothers me that just seems to be so much disconnect well maybe maybe I'm I've been out the game too long I mean I only been out the game a couple of years I mean Margo was what 21 so uh you know like three years like you know so it was 21 20 19 18 so four years or so that I've been fully out the out the game you know and by game I mean education system you know so it's amazing to me i just think i just think about this all the time you know so as i at these beautiful children on my facebook timeline you know today's the first day of school high five jonathan he is not listening to me this morning but high five jonathan (laughs) i you know i see all the beautiful children going back to school You know, parents are happy. It's the most wonderful time of the year. You know, sandwiches have been made this morning. Lunch boxes have been purchased. Kids are ready to go back to school. Well, they might not be ready to go back. Parents are ready for kids to go back to school. They've been around all summer. So, you know, they're going back. They are going back. You know, and it's wonderful to see it. It's wonderful to see these children who, you know, who we love and cared for so much, so much uh, to go back to school and be excited. And I know there are teachers who are excited to get back in the classroom. I know teachers. i got a gazillion of them in my sorority, a gazillion of them, principals, administrators, teachers, paraprofessionals, all of them. They're ready to go back to school because they miss these kids, you know. And, and then here's has the opportunity to get to know some new kids because all the little eighth grade kids are off to high school for the first time. So it's a brave new world. So they got to get in there and figure out who they want to be. Do you know what I mean? They got to figure it out. And uh, that's what we want. That's what we want. You know, so I'm just saying. I, I I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know. It's a lot. Of course it's a lot. It's a lot. But we gonna we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it, we're gonna make it, we're gonna make it. And uh <laughs> it's a lot. But I I, I have faith. With all that said, with all that kvetching, <laughs> all that kvetching, I still, I still believe, I still believe in us. I still believe in the power of goodness. I know, fool, fool that I am, fool that I am. I still believe in the, uh, in the power of. Uh, I still believe in the power. Of love and people, I do. <sighs> anyway, that's 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 what I believe. So 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 I'm just saying all this because I got Fred Hampton on my mind. Twenty one years old was killed ex- executed by the you know the police in Chicago, feds, whoever did it, feds, local police, all of them. Everybody's got a little. There's enough blood for everybody. You know, things can't happen without them knowing about each other. Do you know what I mean? Like it can't it just can't happen without without people not knowing.
2: And uh that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at.
0: That's where I'm at. So it's a lot to think about. It's a lot. And, uh we we do our best I know I guess some of us are doing our best some of us are wherever we at <laughs> some of us are wherever we at uh and that's it's all right so anyway uh that's that's how that's this whole thing was motivated by Fred Hammond Fred Hampton Fred Hampton it was motivated by Fred Hampton uh, all power to all people. That got me thinking about all the things like that. So I ain't going to talk about housing. I'm just going to be on education right now because the babies are going back to school. And you got to stay still banning books, weaponizing books. You know, it's just, it's just, I don't know what we're doing in this country. I literally do not know what we're doing. But, you know, we're going to be all right. Like uh, Kendrick Lamar says, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. So, yes, I know. I got you. I'm happy about that. So um, it is Thursday. I'm telling you, this week felt very long to me. I don't. I don't know why. Monday wasn't a holiday. It just feels very long to me. Now we have a long weekend coming up, right, because Monday is Labor Day. And uh, it's sept- it's going to be September tomorrow, and I just feel like uh, time is flying by. It's a weird feeling uh, to know uh, so much time is flying. It's like su- summer is already, you know, about to bite the dust. I'm not complaining. I I'm holding on to summer. I'm I'm not letting it. I'm not ready to let it. Uh, to let it go just yet. I know people are, but I'm, I'm not there yet. <laughs> not quite yet. You know. I'm not I'm not there yet. So we'll see what happens. We'll do our best. And uh, hold on. And I, I'm listening to the weather and they're like, oh, we're probably going to have a little heat wave. Uh Next week, which I, I'm not mad about that. I think we need a little heat wave. I've not put my air conditioner in my window all summer. I pulled it out of the closet. It's sitting in front of the window, has not made its way to the window. I've just had my 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 window fan in. Cause it's been even on those hot humid days, I mean it felt good in my house. I mean, you know, I live in an old house with very high ceilings, and uh, it just felt cool. You know, I open a couple of windows around and there's some circulation, but I've not had the air conditioner on. I've not needed it. Odd. Strange. It's all right. You know, it's all right. It's all right. I'm 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 good. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So I'm just, you know, we're going in stride. But I know fall is coming because you know what? When you look around, particularly if you drive down the Marin or if you're driving around, you're starting to see a little bit of the leaves starting to change. Now, if you if you're not looking dead on, you'll miss it. But if you just start to notice, like if you just look and scan the you know, scan where trees are, you're starting to sort of see the little telltale signs of the leaves changing and then next thing you know, they're gonna all start tumbling down. So fall is in the air. I mean, you could like put your hand out, like lick your finger, put your hand out, you can feel the breeze. It's it, fall is in the air. And, and, and not because everybody named mama is pumpkin spicing it I don't know what it is about pumpkin spice that drives people insane. You know, at some point, they should just offer it year-round so people can just shut up. Because then I think it'll, the, the 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 frenzy will wear off if it's accessible. You know, every, everybody has some kind of pumpkin spice food. You know, everybody has some. You know, whether it's pancake mix, yes, pancake mix yogurts of course teas um all those damn coffees with pumpkin spice so it's a it's a it's a it's a pumpkin spice kind of world and I think every year they get earlier and earlier to the point where it's just going to be year round somebody's gonna do it somebody's like oh if you like it in fall you'll like it in July <laughs> if you like it in September you'll like it in June <laughs> I'm I'm convinced. <laughs> Mark my words: if it's lucrative, they're going to do it. If it makes money, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. It's coming. Be prepared. Now, I don't. It's it's not that I'm against pumpkin spice anything. I I don't I don't think I'm against it. I I just don't like coffees with things in it. I just like black coffee. I don't. I had some blueberry coffee, which I thought was really good, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't drink that every day. It just wouldn't, I I don't find it, you know, I didn't hate it, but I was like, I like a good blue mountain coffee or somebody's light roast coffee. I like that. I love a a well-brewed cup of coffee. Although the last couple of days I've not been brewing good coffee. I don't know what it is, uh, but I need to go get some coffee. And, uh, a friend of mine is getting me some Blue Mountain coffee that got a hookup. And I've got Jamaican, I still got Jamaican beans in my fridge that I need to grind up, which I might do this weekend, long weekend. Who knows what I'll get into? You know, I live wildly. <laughs> I'll ground up some beans, baby. See what happens. <laughs> I'll ground some beans up. I'm supposed to go, uh, I'm going to the Madison Club. The Madison Beach Club tonight for dinner and to see uh, Christine Oldman with my friend, Beth Allen, who is in town this week uh, visiting because her husband is uh, travels with sports team, covers sports. You know, he's a videographer. I believe he's a videographer and uh, he goes and covers sports and uh, all over the country and possibly the world. So she's back in Connecticut and uh, we're going to go see Christine perform, Christine Oldman, and I, I and I, I would imagine uh, Rebel Montez tonight at the uh, Madison Beach Club. Uh, so we're gonna have dinner and then uh, catch the set. And uh, so that'll be really nice. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be good. Uh, that'll be fun. Plus, you know, to get to hang out with uh, my my friend uh, Ben Allen, It'd be a nice, nice, uh, nice catch up. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh you know, sit on the beach and uh, see what's happening. We're not staying there, we're just going for dinner and and uh, and the show. So it'll be really it'll really really, really nice. So well, something to do on a Thursday night. And it's in Madison, so you're not know, gonna go deal with white people. <laughs> I gotta go deal with white people, which is fine I, listen I'm not avert I'm not I'm not a, I'm not against dealing with white people. I deal with white people all the time. so it's fine. it's fine it's very very fine. Uh, so we'll go and we'll have dinner and we'll have good conversation and uh and we'll have uh, we'll have cocktails and you know it'll be great. I think it'll be fine. So to figure out what I want to put on, because you know what, it's getting cool in the, uh, you know, in the evenings, and if you're on the, sh- you know, if you're on the shore, then you got to be concerned about that. So, so you know, I got to be, I got to be ready. See what's happening. So I'll, I'm I'm checking out their menu, and seeing what's happening. They got the brunch menu. I think I want the dinner menu. See what's going on. They got a, a a charcuterie board for thirty dollars. What the hell's on that thing? Oh, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a challenging meal. <sighs> oh, you know it's a good thing that I'm a uh, I'm looking at it now. Otherwise, oh, they got some short ribs. <sighs> got some short ribs. They got some. Uh, pineapple, soy, glaze cedar, salmon. Okay. They got some cod. Okay, potato and snap pea succotash. All right. I might be able to, might be able to make something happen. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, they got a vegetable ricotone. Oh, I got a lot of cream sauce. All right, I'm gonna just have to, you know, say, listen, I can't have a, well, oh, you know, they got a, um, they got some fried rice, so I can have some fried rice with grilled chicken. Um, uh, that shouldn't be a problem. So, and this is considered their outside the box menu. All right, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how fried rice is out the box, but okay, throw some grilled chicken on it. All right, I'm, a, I'm a, They got some. They got some. Uh, they got some Memphis barbecue going on. Is it really Memphis barbecue though? But well, they got a potato salad, some cornbread. You know, I, unless they got some black people back there making cornbread, it's a no. Uh, it's a no for me. So I just have to talk to them. Like, listen, uh, I've got a severe dairy allergy, so I can't have milk, cream, butter You know, so, uh, yeah, no. That's all right. Uh, We'll figure it out. Listen, I I don't really have a problem eating because they can always do
2: something,
0: (laughs) They, they can always do something. and uh, I'm not I'm not too worried about it, so we'll see. Uh, I'll you know they will make it happen. We'll make it happen. I mean, push come to shove, I have a Greek salad with some grilled chicken. It, 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 it nick's the feta. Don't put the feta on it. We'll see. I, I'll get them. I'll get them to uh working it out. And they'll be like, oh my god. One of these people.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, you know. So we'll see what happens. Uh, happy birthday, um, Sora P is mommy. Her mommy is 80. Fabulously. 80. Yeah. Oh I hope I get to see 80 because she looks amazing. I, I you know you know what I say I don't I'm not putting too much stock because I think anything after 57 is like a real a real gift and uh'm I'm gonna live with it like that. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna sweat it cause shoot. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Uh, so yeah, that looks, looks like a happy birthday. 80 though. Wow. 80, 80, 80. I'm just gonna um I'm just gonna live a live a life day by day. That's how I'm gonna do it. Listen, anything you have to listen, 60 is was a joy. I was like, 60? What? I'm here now. So I'm like, all right, let's see. let's see what we can do for 61. Let's, let's keep it pushing. You know, and then 62 and 63. We'll see what happens. Let's see how far we can get. It's not like the Monopoly game, although it feels like Monopoly game. You know, feels like the Monopoly game. I'm going to play it like that. You know, keep moving. We're going to keep going around the board <laughs> until uh. Until until we get stopped. And stopped could be by anything. It could be health, it could be whatever, it could be economics, it could be, it could be anything. So I'ma keep it pushing. I'ma keep it pushing. See what happens. Uh, oh, you know what? I was thinking about this. So, Harry, if you got some Michael Jackson, because you know, he would have been 65 yesterday. He would've been sixty-five. Michael Jackson would've been sixty-five. You know, every time I every time I hear about his birthday, I, I, I feel like when I was a kid he felt much older than me. He's only five years older than me. But when I was a kid, it just felt like twenty years older than me. You know, at least ten years older than me. He's not ten years older than me, he's only five years older than me. I you know I had the pleasure of meeting him when I was a little kid. But he always seemed older then. But you know, if I was ten, he was he was fifteen. So yeah. But I'm 60, he's 65, so it all kind of levels out, right? Like we're like the same. Like 10 and 15, we're not the same. (laughs) 15, 20, we're not the same. We're just not the same. Uh, 20, 25, we're not the same. But guess when it it evens out? 25, 30. 25, 30, you start to get to a, a place of it evens out. Then 30 35. Then 30 35, that's where it's at. i just saying. So Michael Jackson would have been 30, 65 yesterday. Don't stop till you get enough. <laughs> or whatever, off the wall, whatever you want to play. I don't care. Uh, I'm about to take a break. And when I come back, uh, I got those those uh those uh the folks from the uh Schwartzman Center, they're gonna come on and talk about their 2023 season. Uh, Rachel, Rachel uh, Fine, and uh, Jennifer Harrison Newman—they're gonna come out and talk about the Schwartzman 2023-24 20, uh, programming lineup. I'm looking forward to it. See what they got. See what they're getting into a Schwartzman Center. See what kind of, what kind of, what kind of artistry they're gonna wow us with. Because uh, I'm looking forward to that. So, so I will be back at 10:15 uh, with some with some guests and we're going to get into it. So maybe Harry could cue up some, some Michael Jackson. Uh-uh. Is this the man in the mirror? <laughs> of course Harry <laughs> After all that stuff I
2: talked. it's <laughs> going to feel real good to make a difference. Gonna make it right. And as I turn up the collar on my favorite winter code. this wind is blowing my mind. I see the kids in the street, but not enough to eat. Who am I?
0: To the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk, on Babs Rose Ivy. So we've been playing a little bit of Michael Jackson music this morning because Michael Jackson would have been 65 yesterday, which is kind of freaky. Um, uh, so so and I was you know so I've just been playing the music. So good morning, Rachel Fine. Good morning, Jennifer
2: Newman. <laughs>
0: How are you? Good morning, the Sportsman Center. Good, good morning. So Rachel Fine is executive director, and she's new. I met her last year when she came, and she came like just at the at the heels of the pandemic, and uh, coming from like San Francisco or somewhere, right? San Francisco had
3: seventeen years in L. A. In L. A. And she was such, <laughs> so she had caught,
0: caught the red eye, got here, was like you know getting herself <laughs> situated, and uh, and I already knew. Um, I mean, I've seen Jennifer uh, Harrison Newman around because um, uh, she's like at all the things. So, so they're <laughs> here this morning because, you know, they're running the Sportsman Center. And for those of you who don't know, we used to call the Sportsman Center just basic Woosley Hall. But they done put some money into it, tricked it out, made all this great performance space and have opened it up uh, to some programming. And I think this is probably the first real programming uh, Rachel, under your under your leadership, right? Because the pandemic kind of shut everything down.
3: Yeah, so- although kudos to Jennifer and her team, the team that uh, preceded me, because they did an amazing first season, and I just got yeah. to enjoy it.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean they they pulled off a miracle with all the you know <laughs> post pandemic stuff, and still you know masking and all that other kind of stuff. So, <laughs> so y'all are so you got a new season, twenty twenty three season. Uh, 2023-24 season and he got some heavy, heavy hitters so and yesterday y'all had a, a big like a uh, reveal shindig. shindig a shindig talking <laughs> about well this is what we're gonna be doing for the upcoming season so first of all give me a little history of the Schwartzman center so folks who don't know because you know we still say woosley hall where where i'm from but you know we're we are learning the language so it's Schwartzman center tell me what the Schwartzman center is all about
3: Well, my guess is that Jennifer and I have different answers because the Schwartzman Center is many different things. And I think as we get our legs, we're trying to figure out exactly what it's going to be in the long run. Um, But uh, I would refer to it largely as... A commons, and you know, a lot of people do know it as Commons, but yes. it is now a Commons in the true sense of the word. So Commons used to be an undergraduate dining hall, freshman dining hall, um, but now they have truly excavated and then repurposed every single space in this building, not including Woolsey Hall. So Woolsey Hall is attached, but it's every other space in the 125,000 square feet. So we have the dome, the underground we have hospitality it's a student center it's a wellness center it's an arts and culture center but more than that i'll just say it's a center of connection and community and joy okay. jennifer do you want to do you want to add to that
4: <laughs> I mean, I think you said it. You said it wonderfully. Um, yeah, I think this this idea that Woolsey is like this iconic space that is, it still exists and it's there, and then this idea of Schwarzman Center reinvigorating, as Rachel said, what is a commons, and so <clears throat> bringing back the dining uh, commons is is untouched in its beauty and grandeur. But we now have is a beautiful underground uh, space with a, a bar and a stage and coffee and sushi, like, and it's open to everyone every day. And that's what's kind of amazing about it, is that at, the doors are um, now officially greenlit and folks can come in for lunch every day, Monday through Friday, 11 to 3, come down for coffee, come down for a pastry, come down for soup. So it is sort of this this living, breathing space that is infused with lots of different things, whether it be performance or whether it be dining.
0: Oh, I love it. And I've been in the space, right? So I've been in the space. Oh, yeah. It's gorgeous. I think like, it's a, you it's, right at the bar. Yes. It's, it's a gorgeous girl that, you know, I, I, I've yet to meet a bar I didn't like. Uh, <laughs> it is gorgeous space. And it, and, and the underground, in the underground, in the speakeasy part, well, the part that's like yeah. the bar, it feels very speakeasy, but a very glamorous speakeasy, I would say.
3: Yeah, it's really beautiful. It's right underneath the rotunda. So it's in the round and serves beer and wine and cider. And I would just like to add it is very reasonably priced. Um, So you can have a $5 glass of wine or you can have a very expensive, nice, you know, cutting edge glass of wine. Um, But it really is very accessible, very beautiful. Right now, I think it's open Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, starting next week. Mm. Um, Later hours, I think it's 5 to 11. Is that right, Jennifer? Yeah.
4: yeah, and so it you know it is a limited hour space, but again, if you're 21 and over, you you are welcome to come Monday, Wednesday through Friday, five to 11, and um, it is a it's it, what's nice about it is that you've got the the walls of the space that you really can see and feel, so you really understand the building that you're in. But then it's been upgraded into this contemporary, easy, like you said, kind of chic speakeasy. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it. And
0: so people can come and have lunch there, right? Like in the in the open space part.
3: Yeah, in the underground there is a cafe which is now eight to eight Monday through Friday. Oh, I didn't know it was the 8 Elm. To 8. Oh, yeah.
0: Wow.
3: Yeah, and in fact, uh, we've both been trying out all of the new menu options, and uh, we now have <laughs> avocado toast, which is phenomenal. Uh, there's a great chicken sandwich. I had a nichoise on flatbread. It's really, really good. But you can also do grab-and-go sushi, um, all sorts of things. We have a convenience store down there called the Bow Wow. Um, but yes, it is open 8 to 8. And then we also have late night dining. I believe that's opening. Did that open already? I uh, should know I, these things.
4: Yeah, we should know these things. I actually don't know the schedule because we're just getting back to campus. And so the there all the things are coming online in a sort of um, scheduled way. Uh, Commons just opened yesterday and it was packed. Packed. And again, yeah, so the, that's the lunch service with five different pl- dining platforms. Everything ranging from dumplings to roast chicken to uh uh, basically a full plant-based menu. And that's, 11- that's what I was going to say. There's a whole yeah. vegan vibe to it it's too. Vegan, like, you know, yeah. little yes, which is, I
3: oh, awesome a gluten-free really free vibe. Like. Don't forget the gluten-free vibe too. The gluten-free pasta.
4: Yeah. They've been a really conscientious about various, you know, allergens and just being really conscientious about the various dietary have um, needs. So yeah, there's a wide variety of things on the upstairs uh, Monday through Friday, 11 to three. And then downstairs you have a whole nother menu and there's famous Greek fries. When the late night menu opens, those are quite famous. So come jump down and try the Greek fries.
3: No, you can grab the Greek fries over at the Ivy and then bring them on into the well, which is the bar. So there's that flexibility too. Um, the bar has late-night bites, uh, but if you go over to the Ivy, you can have more of a meal. So not just the Greek fries, but tacos, salads, uh, sort of grilled food. So very flexible moving in and out of the spaces. Oh, um, I and like it. too, I just want to add, if you are coming in and you're not a student, there is a place where you come in, you buy a meal ticket. So you just use your credit card. It's $15. It is very, I would say, abundant in its offerings. It's very like sizable portions. You will not leave home. Hungry, Um, but there are at least two or three machines where anyone can come in, buy a ticket, and then have lunch in Commons as well.
0: Really, that's a nice
4: touch. I did not know that. Yeah, you just have to know to bring a credit card because no cash is accepted anywhere in the building. But yeah, Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. oh, I like it. And so, and then you have this other space because I saw um, Angelique Kijel who was kind enough
0: to sing Happy Birthday to me the last time I was in the building. (laughs) And uh, and and that's a cool space too. Tell me about that space.
4: Yeah, the underground space is really at the same level of the platform as the cafe and the bar that we were talking about and what's really wonderful about it is the underground what we call the underground it is a proscenium theater that seats I mean we last night with the we can you can have up to 300 people in the entire space but we can Oh also, really?
2: Yeah. Wow.
4: So it it really can hold quite a few but then when we we drop a wall halfway down um through the bit in the room and that creates this intimate sort of cabaret space, about a hundred seats in there. And that's um, where we'll have most of the student facing programs like acapella groups, um, open mic nights, comedy nights, you know, th- that's where we'll hold that. And every now and then we'll have an artist talk as well. Um, we did have host um, Karen Chi, who is a comedian d- down there and it was, was fantastic for that. Uh, we did have Angelique and her daughter having an artist talk down there as well. So it can be this really great place for intimate conversation and small cabaret style performances.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it.
4: All right. So and you so you got all this great space. Uh I saw the
0: uh I saw like a Broadway on his way to Broadway show up in the uh yeah. at the very top. What do you call what do you call the top? The rotunda? No, what do the you call dome.
3: it? The dome. The dome. Dome. Yeah, I think you came to a workshop of what was called Shimmer,
4: yes um, by the composer yes.
3: Anthony Davis. And The Dome is a really wonderful, flexible, intimate space, but that group actually had been in there for two weeks working out the kinks uh, on on a work that had actually been 20 years in the making. And so that was the first public performance. Anthony Davis is an amazing, Composer, Pulitzer Prize winner. He actually has his debut at the Metropolitan Opera coming up this fall on November 3rd. That's right. That's
0: right. I had a lovely chat with him. He was, he came on the show and he was talking about, you know, how he writes music and tweaks music. And I mean, you know, he's doing all the, doing all that kind of stuff and the inspiration for that. And then he did mention, um, that, uh, he has a, uh, his, his debut coming at, uh, at the, uh,
3: yeah. yeah, very, very exciting. So um, that's just one of many things we've done in the Dome. Jennifer, why to you talk about Bill and Fred because we just had a wonderful physical theater piece uh, that was super fun and engaging and whimsical.
4: Yeah, so we we were lucky enough to be able to partner with um, friends up in Maine who had artists coming in from Ireland. So it was an opportunity for us to showcase these two physical theater performers. And by physical theater, I sort of mean they're 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 merging dance, clown, circus, and storytelling and acting in their in their show. And it's two actors, I'm like, going like this because they're both kind of short, two actors and they're physical performers and they have these huge um, you know, these physio balls, bright blue and orange, and they told this really great story in sort of clown and theatrical way of this, you know, journey of trying to, you know, find your path. And it was our first real sort of physical theater clown um, performance that we've had a chance to do, and uh, it was in our dome room. We had seventy five people, sold out seats. You know, everything is small audiences, which is really unique. It's a very intimate space, and uh, so yeah, it was really fantastic. And it op- really opened up our season um, to our public performances this year. Just the other oh, night. Oh, good. So, talk
0: to me about the season. What, 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 what what's up? And then, how did you d- decide on what to what to launch? How do how do you pick? What do you think about when
3: you create a season? That's well, such a great I, question. Yeah. Jennifer, start start with September 9th because it's coming right up next week.
4: Yeah, well, so the season um really I think that I'll I'll just say from a bigger pic from the biggest picture, the season is 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 in in a way working with artists that um are emblematic of uh collaboration, of pushing boundaries, you know, really pushing the genre and the form and thinking outside of traditional ways of presentation. And then I would say really thinking about our collaboration, our collaborative partners, both on campus and off campus. So the first, um, the first artist that we are uh, presenting this year, September 9th, and it is Corinne Bailey Ray. And Corinne Bailey Ray is a, is a Grammy award-winning vocalist, um, British-based. She, is coming to us really because she was inspired by a visual artist. She spent time with Theostra Gates' space in Chicago, Mm -hmm. and she was uh, very much inspired by all the archives and the historical um, artifacts in the space that he has collected over the years. And so being inspired by a visual artist is something we also like to showcase at at um, at the Schwarzman Center, is that not every artist works in a silo. They're always sort of getting, you know, information and inspirations from other other fields, other ways, you know. So we were lucky enough to have the Center for British Art come to us and say, we've got this, I, this prospect, this possibility, would you like to collaborate? And so, you know, knowing Corinne's work, knowing Theaster's work, it just said, absolutely. If there was any space on campus that we could do this large enough, to really showcase Corinne's work, it would be in the comments. So we're really thrilled to be able to present that with partner in partnership with many different um, partners here on campus.
3: Yeah, can we, we see you it, seat, Babs? Uh, I, yes. I, I, think I,
0: already, <laughs> I think I already put it for uh, uh, me and a guest. I think. Okay, I <laughs> excellent.
3: We would love to have you there. Um, the one thing that I would add to what Jennifer's saying just about choosing, artistic collaborations and artists is that all of our spaces are multi-purpose spaces um, and that is not insignificant in making artistic decisions so the dome commons even the underground which has a wall that goes up and down but we get to dictate how we want the theater set up so you know every time we're in commons we are building a new theater um, because otherwise it's a dining hall or it's just an empty event space we get to determine the seating capacity so if we want to have 50 people in the audience, we can have 50. In commons, I think you can get way over, you know, 600, 700 seated. Um, so that to me is very exciting because I've always been attached to very traditional models and very traditional theaters where you always have to sell a thousand seats or you always have to sell 2,500 seats or you always have to sell 500. And in this case, we get to create those parameters. And I, I, I love that because I think you start with a certain success if you know what capacity is required or wanted for your performance. So that's part of the fun, too, is, you know, when you saw the workshop of Anthony Davis, we had... The dome set up in a very specific way to honor that type of art form, but with you know when Jennifer was talking about Bill Bill and Fred, it was another it was another uh, seating iteration. We did a student work um, every brilliant thing last year, and the student was in the center of the room, and we had the seating around that student. So that's that's another thing I would add is just that flexibility, which a lot of performing arts organizations don't have.
2: Mm.
0: And so, um, I mean Yale has a lot of spaces for people to perform stuff you have the Yale School of Drama and you've got you know the cabaret and God knows whatever else is going on how, how do y'all fit in 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 the overall scheme of all of that
4: that's a great question too because I you know that the truth of the matter is so much great work that's being done at all times on this campus and we in some ways you can never actually see everything you never even know yeah. like what's going on and all these amazing but you're tripping over like incredible things constantly um, <laughs> But the fact of the matter is that you know everyone is doing exceptional things in a way that they it works either for their pedagogy or works for you know what their what their um uh, expertise is. And so I think to some extent, one thing that I feel really strongly about what we can do here is bridge b- build bridges between and help uplift work that's already being done. But also because it was, as Rachel was saying, the, the flexibility of our spaces, it actually allows us to work in ways that wouldn't be able to be di- wouldn't be able to be presented anywhere else on campus. So to have an artist that really wants to build sculptures that and sound, such as Ash Fior, who's coming in late October, she's doing an installation in our dome room where her sound um, works that she's created, like built they'll be in the room and audiences will be able to walk around and experience each of the stations, sort of like a hit workout. Um, she, you get to go to each station <laughs> and, and experience the sound that way. And so there'll be times when audiences will be able to walk through at their own pace. And there'll be times when Ash will actually be in the space with her collaborators performing. And so you'll be able to experience her you know, activating them. So that's unique. I don't know that there's any other space on campus that actually is built in that way to allow for that immersive experience
0: Mm. and so when you're building this when you're building this building this this calendar of of uh artistic events uh do you put a call out to people or do you sort of get together and over lunch and say you know what i think we might want to have this that and the other thing
3: um i would say it's both um very much both so there might be esteemed artists that we want to program and you really have to think about that many many months in advance so in January we're going to have the great singer Renee Fleming five-time Grammy award-winning mm-hmm. opera singer yes. she's coming to do a variety of things master classes a forum on health and wellness and then she'll be doing a recital as well but that's someone obviously who is booked many years in advance often and we feel so fortunate she's on our advisory board and she's going to be coming for the first time to do a variety of activities. So that's that's we don't, you know, we go after her, we recruit, we advocate for having someone of her stature on campus. Um, but then Jennifer, talk about sessions because sessions is really so much about uh first of all, that intimacy and our dining and having meaningful conversations around food. But it's a series that Jennifer designed that um is more going out and asking people for their ideas. Mm.
4: Yeah, and sessions, which is interesting, Rachel, this, the sessions were actually created during the pandemic. So it was a way for us to create community and connection when we were all isolated at our at our laptops, right? So this idea of bringing people together around food, but virtually was where it like originally started and we'll have 12 people on a screen and we order <laughs> food to be delivered to everybody. And, and we would just talk about a topic. Um, and then it sort of built when we were able to come back in person so it's in Commons, and they take place um, in a small, intimate room in Commons, and, ide- and the idea is that twelve strangers are brought together to share food, but also to share a, a mutual interest. And that mutual interest is always sort of its um, proposals are, are brought in. We we put out an RFP, you know, on our website. You'll see, you know, please send in your your proposal, and the topics will come in. And we meet with, you know, the proposers and sort of talk about their ideas and the idea is to say, okay, who else would you like to bring into this room and what is the topic? And it could be disparities, um, you know, um, outcomes around health and the disparities of technology and how, you know, digital technology can make uh, disparities even greater sometimes with knowledge and data. So that would, you know, that room had scientists, data scientists, it had public health people, it had business people, it had community, you know, folks coming in, undergraduates, graduates, and talking around topics they were all, they were all interested in, but coming from different perspectives. And you get to share a meal uh, in our space, and it could be around monuments, we've had a conversation around monuments. Uh, And, and so it just, the really wide varieties, and um, it's really wonderful to have the room with all these different ideas and thoughts and brains in the room.
3: And I think the thing to really underscore too, I mean, Jennifer and her team do such a thoughtful job of curating who sits around the table. So there might be undergraduates, there might be graduates, but there's always members of the broader New Haven community. Um, And so we always have seats saved for New Haven community members to be a part of that conversation and to come in and have a meal with us. So undergraduates, graduates, faculty, staff, and community members. Um, And the one thing I would add about that, because I was a grad student here in the 90s and always felt really siloed and lonely, frankly, Um, this is just the kind of thing I think that would have given me... Um, I don't know, just like sustenance that I needed during a really, really intense period, and also the opportunity to meet people outside of my department. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I have—I don't want to take a seat away from anyone at these sessions, but if I could, I would be at every single one. I've—I've I've attended two, and it's—it is so heartwarming and special to sit around the table and have this meal and engage in incredibly productive thoughtful dialogue um so anyway i i love it and we really invite people from from you know all over campus and outside to join us around the table
4: i, I was yeah, gonna and ask then, you, and i'll just add so beth ahead. they're just gonna add in order to find out about sessions it is they're posted on our website and in our newsletter so um and all anyone has to do is to sign up for the newsletter to know when those sessions are taking place
0: I love it. So tell me, I, I wanted to know, like, um, w- when you pull together your calendar, uh, who, who is the audience, uh, and do you do you think deliberately or intentionally about who would come to something? Like, who who do you want to come to see things?
3: Um, I'm Jennifer. Do you want to answer that first? But I just want to say before you answer, is we absolutely think about it. It is critical in our decision making. The kind of community that we want to build. On campus in New Haven, and also for the artist. So, um, Jennifer, if you want to answer it, you can. But yes, it is very much a part of our thinking and our planning.
4: Absolutely. I mean, I think what's interesting is that when we're, co- I mean, I, you know, I think we're always thinking about our our partners across um, New Haven and actually in the region. Sort of, you know, what? How do we uplift the work that everyone is doing, and how do we we collaborate? Um, and so I, I think often about, oh, this, you know oh, this person is already coming through, let's just say, you know the shoot, let's just say the shooter. How do we uplift that work that somebody's doing? or, you know, creative arts workshop, or you know you, you you any of our our partners, arts and ideas, you name it. And we try to work together, and I think that it's we're really what we're doing is we're a part of the ecosystem, right? There's an existing ecosystem, we're a part of it. And um I, I just believe in in being a part. Of, of uplifting what everyone's doing. And, and we are, you know, we do work together and we make everybody's work better together. Yeah, yeah. And Miss
3: Babs is why you see Jennifer at everything, everywhere, all <laughs> over the city. It's true, it's true. She gets herself to everything. And and I would just add to that, we're doing our first collaboration with Long Wharf Theater. And I Yay! think we both feel very strongly about uplifting the other arts and culture organizations right now. So we are going to be a part of the Joan Didion work that they're doing, the Year of Magical Thinking, and we're going to be one of the venues. And I hope we get, we know we're doing it once for sure. Uh, I hope we get to do it twice. Um, so we're starting small with them, but I hope that it grows and blossoms into a great and fulfilling collaboration for everyone. Shelly from Arts and Ideas was just here yesterday, not just for lunch, so we could start talking about, you know, what we could do together. Jennifer already had a wonderful relationship with Arts and Ideas, but certainly, you know, if we can be a partner in that and uplift them and they can uplift us, then great, more power to both of us.
0: Uh, I am uh, just just for tr- full transparency I'm on the board of uh, Long Wharf Theater okay and, and and I chair the Arts Council board We the yes. even Arts Council board so so this is I I I love this kind of news because I think um the time is now for arts to be, uh, I believe arts have always been collaborative, but now it seems to be hyper collaborative uh, because, you know, theaters are having a tough time and music venues are having a tough time. Uh, and, and the pandemic has really uh, pushed people out of these spaces. And now they're just slowly starting to come
3: back. Yeah, no, we love Jacob and we love the team over there. And we're already talking. I know your 60th anniversary is coming up. So there's some conversations around that. And I didn't realize Shelly told me that Arts and Ideas is coming up on a big anniversary the same year. So, you know, we, we all have to uplift each other and make New Haven, you know, an incredible center for arts and culture, which it's always been. But now post pandemic, you know, how do we rethink that?
0: Mhm 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 So now do y'all have to raise money? Do you have to do you have to go into a fundraising mode? Do you have to like uh, empower do you have a board? Do you have to empower them? Like how how does all this happen?
3: Yes, it's a great question. So again, we're just beginning our second public season. Uh we do have an advisory board and you know, as we get rolling, as we figure out exactly who we are, as we establish our distinctive voice you know, we will be doing the same for our advisory board. But yes, we do have a board. Um, And yes, we are mandated to fundraise. We're getting our first director of development in January. We cannot wait. Um, But again, we're creating this program from scratch. And there's no other entity on campus that looks quite like the Schwarzman Center. Um, So all of these things are in progress. Um, We're just starting to launch these initiatives, um, build the advisory board, and then also build our fundraising.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: and and
0: uh, uh, so you so you're in the search for a
3: development. Per, uh, yeah we too. we have her. She's oh, starting in January. Her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh,
0: that's exciting. It is
3: very exciting. We are we are very excited, and uh, I think she's very excited. She actually is a New Haven native. Um, her name is Courtney Long, and mm-hmm. she. Uh, grew up here, very involved in arts and culture. She left. She went to Pittsburgh. She got a PhD, I believe, in art history. Um, and she's actually been working in fundraising at Yale, but she's moving to the Schwartzman Center as of January. And, and we cannot wait to welcome her because she seems to know uh, the terrain really well. She seems to have a great skill set. She loves arts and culture, which of course is key, uh, and the students and you know everything we're trying to do at the Schwartzman Center. So we're very excited to welcome her to the Schwartzman Center in January.
0: Oh, I love it. All right. So so what do you imagine, Rachel and Jennifer, the future of the Swartzman? Center? Like what do you what do you want to see? What is the dream for it? Like if you could have anything that you want, what what would it what would it shape out to look like? Jennifer.
2: <laughs> Big question. <laughs> Big question. That's a
4: good enough. question. So I gosh, the dream. I mean, I I if I'm gonna be honest, I sort of feel like, you know. If I answer it honestly, the dream is just—it is really to continue to build on what we're 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 doing now, and it's just it, it, that it gets um, stronger and, and and bigger, right? And wider. And right now, we're focusing on on you know just building out and really understanding our building and really understanding how how work works in it and building the things that make it as flexible as possible. And I think that's my biggest dream is that it's as flexible as possible that we have as much like flow going in and out of the building and with our partners across um, the city and the state. That we're we're working with artists that are local we're working with artists that are international we're working and it's you know from the big to the small the intimate to the grand that it's you know it's a living thriving place
3: yeah. um, and i would i would add and since babs you're so deeply dedicated to the arts what I really want is when people leave here, whether they've had a dining experience, an arts and culture experience, I want them to feel transformed and elevated by that experience. And whether or not you know, they are going to pursue the arts as passionately as you do or I do, or they're just stopping by, I, I want arts and culture, the dining experience, the community experience to be a part of everyone's life and to make their life happier and better. Um, and I think Yale in general, you know, what I'm discovering after being here for about ten months, um, so many students are involved in the arts here. And it's not necessarily what they're going to pursue as a career, but there are, you know, student groups lurking around every single corner, people <laughs> making art. And I just love this idea that whether or not you're going to be an artist or you're going to pursue a career in the arts, uh, it's just a part of your daily life. And I, you know, if we had a world where everybody had that access, you know, every day, I just think we'd be a much happier, (laughs) a much happier world. So that's really what what I want. And I, and when people leave the Schwarzman Center, I want them to say they love it.
0: Hmm. And so, you know, uh, Rachel, I I don't know any entity that has to juggle dining and, and and performance space and artistic outreach to community. Like I don't, I don't know any space like that. Um,
3: that's because there's not one.
0: That's what I mean. So, yeah. so when you said yes to this, did you know what you were saying yes to?
3: <laughs> well, yes and no. I don't I, I don't think, you know, even though they put me, you know, through about 50 interviews, um, and that was, it was an extraordinary experience, and I think allowed me to learn as much as I possibly could during a search process. Um, you just, you never know when you take a job. And I moved clear across the country, different community. Um, but my husband was also hired by Yale, so he's over in the architecture. Architecture school. So we, you know, we, we, we didn't have any reason to leave LA. This was incredibly intriguing and a rare, unprecedented opportunity for us. So I did go into it knowing, you know, when you have all of these entities under one roof, like how is that gonna work? And to me, that's part of the attraction is being involved in a startup, putting it on the map for the first time, and figuring out how the Good Life Center. Yale Hospitality and the Schwartzman Center, how we're all going to work together harmoniously to leverage what we do collectively for, for, for greatness, for, you know, to improve people's lives. So yes and no. You just never know what's lurking below the surface when you take a job. <laughs> um, Jennifer, but you're so, so good.
0: I, I think so far so good, too. I mean, yeah. you've made some in, great deal of inroads. I mean, people know you. They know who you are.
3: I, you know, um, not that, you know, you need to know everything, but my mom actually passed away during the first, um, four months of being on the job. And so, and we just moved like permanently to New Haven, uh, this June, which I'm really, really happy about. Um, so we have our permanent residence and we're, we're now, you know, officially citizens of New Haven. Um, but because of that disruption, I just, I was not able to really dig in in the way that I wanted to, and I, I wanted to be with her in California. So now, for me, like we're here and uh, and just really, really glad to be here. And I think finally, finally getting our bearings, um, having some continuity in our lives. So um, this is this second year. I'm hoping will be stellar.
0: Mm. Well, uh, we got about a, a few minutes. So I, I know that you're here in New Haven, uh, Jennifer, I guess you probably were already here when you were like doing the work and creating the space, she and, you know, and you're like, okay, what are we doing now? Like, <laughs> all right, I like it. Let's see what happens. So, um, uh, but you're still here. So that means you <laughs> like something. <laughs> Thank, about goodness. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. So talk a little bit about being here under all the, the renovation work and, and the, and the beginning of creating the space.
4: Thanks for the question. Um, yeah, so I'm actually starting my fifth year, which is sort of mind-boggling. Um, and I I first arrived because um, I was a grad student here as well. And when I came back to New Haven for the Schwartzman Center, the the idea of a of a space that was using arts and cultures to uh, an arts and culture to sort of uh, mitigate isolation and and to bring people together, I, I just couldn't say no to it. It was an opportunity that I just couldn't say no to. So coming back to New Haven not as a student but as a, um, a resident has been really transformative for me um, because it's it's a, it is a very different experience. Uh, I get I definitely get out and about more often than I did as a student. I get out you know further um, than my three block radius as a grad student way more often. Um, and and that's been wonderful. and I have to say like, I have just been over and over and over again just so imp- it, not just impressed but moved maybe by the the by the world that New Haven is it, it the the human beings that i've met are extraordinary and the care that it's just it's an extraordinary community and i'm really happy to be a part of it and i know i'm still new to it in a way you know 5 years in i still feel new um and but i've just met such extraordinary human beings and um and i'm really happy to be a part of the community um i think building the organization has been um I th- also just equally thrilling and so much to learn so much to sort of, you know, yeah, everything is, it's le- been learning. I mean, five years and it's all, it's still learning. We're still like, okay, you know, learn. It's just, that's what it is. And so I think that's why I'm still here. It's because there's still the potentials. There's always potential and it's still exciting. And um, yeah. Well, thank you. Well,
0: I so appreciate y'all coming on this morning to roll out your 2023 24 schedule uh i i'm looking forward to uh what you do for this year and next year um and uh I, you know i'm going to show up and and i'm i'm going to make sure i go and have dinner and lunch at the Yeah, no, we will we, we'll uh, always have a seat for you so just <laughs> let us know when you're coming we will have a seat for you i love it i just like that's a co- it's such a cool space so so thank you for your time <laughs> thank and i you. know i will see you uh out here in these art streets and all the things uh so and welcome uh rachel to uh new haven and thank you, you know, feel free to call upon me if you know you want to hang out or do something you too jennifer i see you jennifer though so you know i definitely want to
3: hang out so, so I'm going. hang out
0: all right <laughs> thank you all so much and uh, i'm wishing and cheering for the 2023-24 season at the Schwartzman center and people can go to the website and get get on for the uh for the uh newsletter so they can stay in the loop great thank you so much all right enjoy thank the rest you of your so day enjoy us this
4: weekend of course. Absolutely. And yeah, uh
0: hey, Natalie, jo, thank you. Natalie said her and her family had dinner at the Elm this week and it was a uh, great and super reasonably priced. Yes. So, yes, uh, it is. she said Bill and Fred were so much fun. So, thank you <laughs> Natalie for for your comments. I'm yeah, sorry, I just got to mention one more thing.
3: Oops, sorry. There's a gelato no, that's all bar. Right.
0: No, no, There's no, a gelato no, no. bar. oh now 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 people can't stay away so there you go all right (laughs) thank Thank you you. rachel thank you jennifer y'all enjoy your weekend thank you You bye have a great weekend everyone i will see you soon all right thank you thank you harry i will be back tomorrow friday so y'all stay tuned and uh enjoy the day it's beautiful outside get out there and do some stuff i'll be back tomorrow (laughs) No,